From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Wade Menezes. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. A tremendous Tuesday to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line. If you'd like to be part of the program, we'd love to hear from you. The number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, that number is 1-205-271-2985. And we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at one 205 2712985. I'm still waiting for that phone call from the land of Father Wade's heritage. I want a call from Portugal. I want somebody to call from the piazza in Fatima or somewhere uh, with a phone call today for Father Wade at eight at one two zero five two seven one two nine eight five. I'm Jack Williams, Michael McCall, producing the program. Your call screener is Matt Gubensky and Jeff Burson handling our social media efforts. So if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, you can type a question into the chat window and it may find its way to us by the end of the program. And our host is he is every Tuesday, the aforementioned Portuguese priest, Father Wade Menezes. How are you? I'm doing great, Jack, especially uh, since I had this past week uh, quite a few relatives in town here at the Fathers of Mercy in Auburn and Bowling Green, Kentucky area for my niece's wedding at St. Joseph Parish uh, on the 7th, on Saturday, the feast day of Our Lady the Rosary. So a very, very special week this past week. They started trickling in uh, about a week ago on Monday and Tuesday of last week, and and they started uh, leaving uh, Sunday afternoon and into Monday, and and most are gone now. But uh, it's just been a fantastic fantastic week. So, speaking of the month of the Holy Rosary and the Feast of the Holy Rosary right. that's on October 7th, when we hit the 21st century, that St. John Paul II started messing with our rosary, Father Wade. <laughs> ah, we're going we're going to address that very point, you know. Uh, did he add to it? Or did he alter it? That's the question, right? Uh, I'm the advocate, as he himself makes it so clear in Rosarium Virginis Maria, his document, uh, which promulgated the Luminous Mysteries, that he simply expanded the rosary. How beautiful is that? Yeah, the five Luminous Mysteries of the Most Holy Rosary is our springboard topic for today, since it is the month of the rosary, as you said, uh, Jack. And this past Saturday, October 7th, was the feast day of Our Lady, the rosary. Uh, John Paul II, now saint, on October 16, 2002, the 24th anniversary, of his election to the pontificate as the 263rd successor of St. Peter and thus the 264th Pope, uh, which was also the day that began his 25th year of reign, uh, his Silver Jubilee, uh, universally promulgated the apostolic letter Rosarium Virginis Mariae, the Rosary of the Virgin Mary. It was a short apostolic letter, only 43 paragraphs, in which he encourages all Catholics and people of goodwill 
to pray the rosary faithfully and regularly. In this important church document, Jack, the Holy Father praises the rosary as a primarily Christocentric prayer, that is, it is Christ-centered. He states that the rosary is an echo of the prayer of Mary, her perennial magnificat, let it be done unto me, according to your word, the words she told Gabriel the Archangel at the Annunciation. Uh, It is an echo of the prayer of Mary, her perennial magnificat, for the work of the redemptive incarnation which began in her virginal, virginal womb with her fiat. Huh? He also states, John Paul II does, that to recite and pray the rosary is nothing other than to contemplate with Mary the face of Jesus Christ. John Paul II in this same document also gives us a litany of popes who have given particular honor and emphases to the rosary over the centuries. Uh, he cites such popes as Leo XIII, uh, St. John XXIII, and St. Paul VI, just to name a few. Uh, This is very, very important. In short, you know, John Paul II teaches within this wonderful apostolic letter that whenever we pray the rosary, which he affirms is an exquisitely contemplative prayer, we are remembering Christ with Mary, learning Christ with Mary, being conformed to Christ with Mary, praying to Christ with Mary, and proclaiming Christ with Mary. The Holy Father also states that the rosary is a compendium of the gospel and is one of the traditional paths of Christian prayer directed to the contemplation of Christ's face. Pope Paul VI, John Paul II states, described it in these words, quote, As a gospel prayer centered on the mystery of the redemptive incarnation, the rosary is a prayer with a clearly Christological orientation. This reminds us of an important point to always remember, that all Marian devotion should orient toward Christ. Yet as beautiful, contemplative, traditional, and Christocentric as the rosary is, none of its traditional 15 decades focus on the three years of the public life life of Christ, Jack, and John Paul II knew that, and he notes this fact in the document, Rosarium Virginis Maria, his, his, Maria, his uh, apostolic exhortation from 2002. And so he promulgates this document uh, with the five luminous mysteries of the Most Holy Rosary. He suggested five new mysteries that might supplement the meditation on the traditional joyful, sorrowful, and glorious mysteries of the Rosary. The five luminous mysteries are, of course, the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan which inaugurates, begins his, five year, his three years of public ministry. Uh, number two, Jesus' ma- self-manifestation at the wedding feast of Cana. Number three, his proclamation of the kingdom of God and his call to conversion of hearts. Number four, the transfiguration of Jesus. And number five, the fifth luminous mystery, the institution of the Eucharist by Jesus as the sacramental expression of the entire paschal mystery of his passion, death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. These luminous mysteries, or mysteries of light, light as they are sometimes called, uh, are intended to offer contemplation of important parts of Christ's public life, in addition to the contemplation on his childhood seen in the joyful mysteries, of his suffering seen in the sorrowful mysteries, and of his risen life seen in the glorious mysteries. John Paul II states, quote, It is during the years of his public ministry that the mystery of Christ is most evidently a mystery of light. 
Jesus himself says these words, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Gospel of St. John chapter 9, verse 5. There you have it. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Consequently, it is fitting to add, following reflection on the incarnation and the hidden life of Christ, the joyful mysteries, and before focusing on the sufferings of his passion, the sorrowful mysteries, and the triumph of his resurrection, of course, uh, the glorious mysteries, a meditation on certain particularly significant moments in his public ministry, uh, the mysteries of light, uh, is, is important just as well. The five luminous mysteries are tied intimately to the new Christian evangelization of the third millennium, as outlined by the Holy Father's apostolic letter, uh, Novo Millennio in Iunte, at the beginning of the new millennium from January 6, 2001. In short, Jack, if Jesus is our model, Uh, of and for evangelization during the third Christian millennium, we must look to that period of his own life on earth wherein he himself evangelized. And this, of course, was during his three years of public life. Thus, we look to these five luminous mysteries of light uh, to enlighten us, to enlighten us as to the reality of all these beautiful truths. Uh, A few miscellaneous notes from the document uh, Rosarium Virginis Mariae. John Paul II declared in it also... October 2002 through October 2003, the year of the rosary, he states in the document that five decades recited or prayed daily remains the norm of the devotion of the rosary. He suggests that the five luminous mysteries be prayed on Thursdays, and they are fittingly placed between the joyful and sorrowful mysteries as they focus on the public life of Christ. And the five luminous mysteries are not given as a pontifical mandate or an order, no, not at all, but are rather presented as a strongly proposed addition to the traditional pattern of the rosary, the current 15 decades at the time, thus bringing the rosary's already present Christocentricity to its fullness by focusing as well on Christ's public ministry. The five luminous mysteries are thus not a change or alteration of the rosary, but rather an addition to a development of or an expansion of the traditional rosary of 15 decades. How beautiful is that truth? St. Vincent of Lorenz talks about the importance of expansion of of a piety, of, of a certain pious devotion, or of a doctrine, and it must be true development as opposed to change of, huh? And so we can say with confidence, Jack, that John Paul II has expanded the rosary into its greater fullness. He has not changed it. And worth noting, too, and I love this, in the document, Rosarium Virginis Mariae, Blessed Bartolo Longo is heralded by John Paul II as the Apostle of the Rosary, a great saint who used to be involved with occultic activity and had a profound conversion because of our Blessed Mother's influence on his life and his turn towards Marian devotion to guide him more closely to Jesus Christ, her son, and the Father's only begotten son. And in this document, John Paul II calls Blessed Bartolo Longo the Apostle of the Rosary. So give us a call today. Tell us what the Rosary means to you. Tell us what the Luminous Mysteries mean to you. And give a witness call. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Give us a call at 833-288-3986. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. 
Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. You know, how would you like to carry Father Father Wade around with you in your pocket? Well, you can carry Father Wade and the entire EWTN family with you everywhere when you download the free EWTN app. You can enjoy EWTN live TV and radio streams, audio and video on demand, EWTN news, program schedules, prayers, devotionals, much, much more. Download the EWTN app at EWTNapps.com. It is free. 833-288-EWTN. We want to hear what the rosary means to you on this uh Open line Tuesday uh, during the month of October, which is the month of the Rosary, on the heels of the Feast of the Rosary this past Saturday, 833-288-3986. You know, every every October as the calendar rolls over and we approach the Feast, I, I peruse those 15 promises that were made um, regarding those who regularly pray the Rosary, and, and it never ceases to just leave me in wonder of why we would not do this. Yeah, they are beautiful, uh, given by Our Lady to St. Dominic and Blessed Alan. The 15 promises of the Blessed Virgin Mary to Christians who pray the rosary. Number one, Jack, whoever shall faithfully serve me by the recitation of the rosary shall receive signal graces. Number two, I promise my special protection and the greatest graces to all those who shall pray the rosary. Number three, the rosary shall be a powerful armor against hell. It will destroy vice, decrease sin, and defeat heresies. Huh? Boy, do we need it more today than ever. Huh? Uh, number four, if faithful recitation of the rosary is done, it will cause virtue and good works to flourish. It will obtain for souls the abundant mercy of God. It will withdraw the hearts of men from the love of the world and its vanities and will lift them to the desire of eternal things. Oh, that souls would sanctify themselves by this means. Number five, the soul which recommends itself to me by the recitation of the rosary shall not perish. Number six, whoever shall recite the rosary devoutly applying himself to the consideration of its sacred mysteries shall never be conquered by misfortune. God will not chastise him in his justice. He shall not perish by an unprovided for death. If he be just, he shall remain in the grace of God and become worthy of eternal life. Number seven, whoever shall have a true devotion for the rosary shall not die without the sacraments of the church. Number eight, those who are faithful to recite the rosary shall have during their life and at their death the light of God and the plentitude of his graces at the moment of death. They shall participate in the merits of the saints in paradise. Number nine, I shall deliver from purgatory those who have been devoted to the rosary. Number ten, the faithful children of the rosary shall merit a high degree of glory in heaven. Number eleven, you shall obtain all you ask of me by the recitation of the rosary. Number twelve, all those who propagate the holy rosary shall be aided by me in their necessities. Number 13, I have obtained for my divine son that all the advocates of the rosary shall have for intercessors the entire celestial court during their life and at the hour of their death. Number 14, all who recite the rosary are my sons and daughters and brothers and sisters of my only son, Jesus Christ. And number 15, Jack, devotion to my rosary is a great sign of predestination. 
So there you have it, the 15 promises of Our Lady to those who pray the rosary faithfully and devotedly. I mean, any one of those is a gift beyond measure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Amen. Amen. To the phones we go. First up today is Suzanne in Abilene, Texas, listening on Guadalupe Radio. Suzanne, you're on with Father Wade. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, thank you, thank you, Suzanne. Just, I was just getting into my car, and I heard you ask for people to call in about uh, how much the rosary means to you, and... and I wasn't even Catholic yet, not fully. I was a closet Catholic for about 20 years before I made the official move. And it was because of my uh, ex-husband, we had been divorced for four years, he filed against me to take our son away from me. And I didn't know what to do. I mean, I did get a lawyer, and it was very tiresome and expensive, and I cried a lot, but I prayed the rosary. Probably not even correctly, but I wore my fingers out and my knees out, praying the rosary, beseeching heaven to bring a stop to the nonsense that uh, we were going through. I just felt like we're spending our son's college education to point fingers and yell at each other. I just couldn't see that there was any benefit from this lawsuit. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. In fact, I learned how to just count on my fingers to keep up, because I didn't always have beads. And I still often will do the rosary that way. I'll just count my fingers. Uh, but after nine months of a lot of prayer and, and storming the doors of heaven, he spontaneously dropped the lawsuit and increased my child support. And we've gotten along beautifully ever since. And I wow. know in my heart that it was because I asked our Holy Mother to take my prayers and intervene for me. And she did. Uh, and it not only <laughs> uh, enhanced my process of becoming Catholic, it also further helped teach me patience. It was not a quick fix. It took a while. Uh, I had to keep at it. I had to be hopeful. Uh, and I think that it really started me, uh, while I was in the RCIA process, uh, on the whole path of prayer being a very large part of my life as a Catholic. And I'm very grateful to the rosary, the tradition of it, the beauty of it. Uh, I think it is one of our greatest treasures. And, you know, when people, when you say, let's pray about it, I think sometimes people are thinking, oh, that, that's all you have to offer? Is that all I have to offer? That is the most that we need. We just, if we really, really pray with serious intent, uh, heaven will open up for us. So. That's my story about the rosary and how much it means to me. Well, beautiful, Suzanne. And I, I have known many, many stories where the, the rosary has brought peace between factions of family members, um, different entities, uh, maybe in, within or without the family, inside or outside the family. And you're an example of that. 
with your own story. So thank you so much for a great, a great witness in that regard and, and for sharing uh, that with us. Um, do you pray the, the Luminous Mysteries at least once a week uh, on, on the Thursday, the suggested Thursday? Of course, it's not mandated on Thursday, but do you, do you find the I, Luminous Mysteries are a part of your, your devotional life as well? Yes, they are. Beautiful. I uh, have, uh, I guess it's been, I guess ever since the Hallow app came out, Mm. I really enjoy praying the rosary with Bishop Robert Barron. I love the fact that he uses the rosary as a teaching tool, and he has a little mini homily for each decade. Mm. And uh, I open my day with the rosary with him. I close my day with the rosary with him. And I, my goal is to be like Johnette Williams' grandmother, to pray a rosary every day for all of my grandchildren. I don't have 13 like her grandmother did. <laughs> I have five plus two that I've adopted in love. That's my goal. I'm trying to get there. But I, I almost always get two rosaries in, and I... I pray them according to the day of the week, and I, I derive a lot of peace from doing the rosary, and I know that this world needs a lot of prayer. Oh, it, it certainly does. It certainly does. Suzanne, thank you so much for your call. We really appreciate your listenership and your witness today on Open Line Tuesday. Be sure to stay a regular listener. Thank you so much. Next up is Tim. He is a first-time caller in St. Louis, Missouri, listening on Covenant Radio. Tim, you're on with Father Wade. Hello. Hey, I, Tim. I a, Thank you for your call. Thank you for taking my call. So I was wondering if you could try and help me. So I've got a friend. He asked me. He, so he's, he's, he's gay, and he's... He used to be Catholic, and he's fallen away, and he struggles with some other issues, and he asked me, he wants to become a Christian, how do I, how do I start going about that? Because, like, I try to ask him small questions, I feel like, about what Christianity means to him, trying to figure out where he's at, but it, like, it seems like he kind of runs, and I don't get a response, and I don't know... Because if I push too hard, he's going to run away, and if I don't, I just kind of let it... I I don't know exactly where to start or how to help him. Okay, well, t- two things, first of all, just about more about your wording rather than anything to do with your friend who you're calling about with great concern, and I'm so glad you're doing that because it shows that you're a great friend for doing just that. But to, to look at the wording that you used in your initial questioning, um, uh, used to be a Catholic... Well, he still is technically a Catholic by virtue of his baptism in the Catholic Church. But then, as you said correctly, soon after that, he's a fallen away Catholic, okay? First you said he used to be a Catholic, then you correctly said he's a, but he's a fallen away Catholic. So that is correct. I want to make that clear. So uh, once baptized in the Catholic faith, you can become a fallen away Catholic, uh, but you can't just not be Catholic anymore. Uh, you you cannot practice the Catholic faith, but by virtue of your Catholic baptism, you are still a Catholic. Um, second of all, he wants to become a Christian. Well, if he's told you that, there's a zeal and desire there in his heart, which is a good, that's a good thing. Your goal would to be to share with him that the, the Catholic faith is 
a Christian faith. It is the Christian faith. It is, the Church is, per se, the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith, as we read in the Nicene Creed. I, I would begin with history itself and the Church Fathers and also the doctrine of the Eucharist. You know, ask them, say, my brother, how, how can you live without the Eucharist when you research it and study it and know it to be what it is? Where the, where the other six sacraments affect the grace they signify, the Eucharist not only affects the grace it signifies, it is what it signifies. It is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's meant to nourish us and to guide us in, in a life of virtue and pursuance of the good, the true, and the beautiful. So I would start with these, these basic tenets of the faith, which really all springboard um, from basic catechesis. And um, ask him also, this is important, I believe, what has turned him away from the Catholic faith? As, uh, did he have a, a run-in one time with a, a Catholic that was a little too zealous for him? Try to l- meet him where he's at. That's the main thing. But I thank you so much for, for wanting to uh, address this with him and to guide him back to the fullness of his practice of his faith. Thank you so much. 833-288-3986. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Pick up the phone and give us a call. Congratulations going out to another member of the EWTN Radio family. A Blaze Radio in Duluth, Georgia is celebrating their eighth year with EWTN. Congratulations to Ken and Patricia Shivers and their entire team at WNRE 98.1 FM from all of us here at EWTN. Ken and Pat, great folks, and played a big role in getting the parties together to get that big blowtorch uh, the quest going in Atlanta as well. So congratulations Wonderful. to the good folks in Duluth, Georgia. Back to the phones we go. Regina is in Burbank, Illinois, listening at EWTN.com. Regina, you're on with Father Wade. Hi, Father Wade. How are you? I'm doing great, Regina. Thank you. Regina, do you know what your name means in, in English from the Latin? Yes, Queen. There you go. There you go. Great. I know. my The, the boys in my grade school used to make fun of me all the time. So, yeah. I was going to say, you sound like you <laughs> embrace that now, though. <laughs> oh, I do. I love it. <laughs> I, uh, I have a question. I have a nine-year-old granddaughter who, hey, I, she, I gave her a miraculous medal, and she goes to a public school. Some of her classmates have asked her who is on her medal, and she told me yesterday that she was embarrassed to let people know that she's her kids, the, the other classmates, that she's Catholic. And she told, I forgot who she told them was on her necklace. So she's embarrassed. And so I felt really bad. And I said, honey, you should never deny our blessed mother. You know, I said, because that's not really right. I said, she's your mother. I mean... And so she just didn't know, and, and she felt really embarrassed. And so there's not too many other Catholic kids in her class. Um, and so she doesn't really go, she doesn't go to church unless I have her. I, don't, I only have her once in a while on weekends. And she also has a hard time with listening and rolling her eyes. And so she's done punishment a lot of her days. 
And yesterday she was rolling her eyes, and I had her saying the rosary in front of our blood. I have a statue of our blessed mother here. And so she, I had her say the rosary twice, but she couldn't really remember it. So what can I tell her to about that, her necklace, and how important it is? Well, you, you don't want to you don't want to do anything that's going to give her a negative reaction like during her time out because maybe she's being a little rambunctious. You're going to make her pray the rosary twice, one right after the other. I mean, that, that's, that's like a negative connotation, if I understood you correctly. I, I personally would not have done that. Uh, the, the most beautiful setting for the rosary in the family home is with the family members, which each person taking a decade and you know, lowering the lights and lighting a candle in front of an image of our Lord and an image of His Blessed Mother, and having uh, the opening prayers, you know, if, if the Father's present, led by the Father. I mean, that we want to make a beautiful uh, spiritual uh, setting in this regard, not, not make the rosary something that's um, daunting or laborious or that's tied to a timeout when we get into trouble. I, I, again, I don't know if I understood you correctly, but even if I didn't, it's still worth saying this because I want people to, to understand that it's not meant to be used in that way. Um, I would start with, you know, I don't know what her mother's relationship is in her life at nine years old, but I would start that, you know, just as you have a physical mother, you have a spiritual mother, and she's the mother of Jesus, who's our Savior, and we receive Jesus in the Eucharist at Holy Mass, and this is our Catholic faith, and we love our Blessed Mother. She has only one goal to lead us more closely to her Son, and so when you wear the medallion, the medal uh, of her Immaculate Conception with the wording, O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us, have recourse to thee, explain to her, say, honey, you're defending that beautiful truth that Mary is the mother of Jesus, who's our Savior, and that's what you're doing. It's not about Mary per se. It's about all that she stands for as the perfect Christian disciple. She who gave her fiat, she who gave her yes at the Annunciation, which, mind you, the devil hates. It's also a sign of protection, therefore. The miraculous medal is also a sacramental. And just as any sacramental, blessed, is a sign of protection from evil, explain that to your granddaughter as well. So on multiple fronts, not only what the image stands for, the Mother of God, her Immaculate Conception, which ushered in the Sacred Incarnation of Jesus, which is the very beginning of our salvation. That's why in my opening springboard topic, John Paul II makes it very clear in Rosarium Virginis Mariae that our salvation, our redemption, began in the womb of a woman. There's your argument against abortion right there, right? That's your argument against abortion right there. Our salvation, our redemption at Mary's fiat began in the womb of a woman. And that says something about sacred space. That says something about safe space, huh? A phrase that gets thrown around a lot today very flippantly. Um, and, and these are the, the things you want to convey to your granddaughter for her little intellect at nine years old, okay? You're not going to talk to her as I'm talking to you right now, but you're going to make these truths palatable to her uh, for her little nine-year-old intellect at the age that she is, but it's about the image of the Blessed Mother, it's the image of the Mother of Jesus who leads us to Jesus, who is our Savior, 
who is our Redeemer. Uh, it's also a sacramental, per se. The, the literal, physical metal is a, is a sacramental. It wards off evil, as sacramentals do. They provide us with an increase of actual graces from God when they become part of our devotional life, and we wear them valiantly. These are the things that you want to share with your granddaughter. And also, if I might add, fourthly, that she herself becomes a little witness, which prepares her one day to receive her confirmation. Now, I don't know what age the confirmandi are in your diocese. Uh, Some bishops are going earlier now into the fourth and fifth grade, and no longer waiting between eighth grade and tenth grade for the young people to receive confirmation, because the culture is just too challenging today. The young people need the sacrament of confirmation even earlier today. So your diocese might be one of those where the bishop has um, uh, moved up the age to like fourth grade or fifth grade. Well, if that's the case, a nine-year-old is usually in third grade. So confirmation would be coming up for her within the next couple of years. So she's already giving a witness of confirming her faith by wearing the miraculous medal, you know. So anyway, these are just different fronts that you can approach her with in a, in a wording, a, a, a phrasing that is appropriate to her nine-year-old self. Uh, but, but there you have it right there, and, and it, I want to commend you um, Regina, as a grandmother, for having this concern, uh, your heart is broken that your granddaughter is not uh, readily uh, wanting to uh, witness that she's wearing a miraculous medal, and uh, you want to help change that so that your daughter becomes a little witness. I mean, look at St. Maria Goretti. She's a martyr for the Christian virtue of purity and the Christian virtue of modesty, and she died at age 11 years old. That's just two years older than your granddaughter. You know, look at Therese. Therese got permission to receive Holy Communion at age five, two years before the age of reason, which is the normal age that young people receive the Eucharist. But Therese of Lejeure, who's now a doctor of the Church, she had a keen intellect, and already at age five, she can understand the doctrine of the real presence. And so her father, on her behalf, sought permission from the local bishop to receive uh, Holy Communion early, and, and the bishop granted it. So, I mean, it, it can be done, and uh, these things are very, very important, and as a loving grandmother, you're, you're taking a, an important role in that, and, and for this, I thank you as a priest who conveys constantly to parents and grandparents how, how important it is to convey the faith of baptism uh, to, to our young people. Thank you so much, Regina. I hope those things help you out. God bless you, and, and invite her parents, if they're in her life, or at least hopefully one is, invite her parents as adults to listen to this podcast. Witness to her parents by letting them know, Regina, that you called Open Line Tuesday today and that you asked about this because of your love for your granddaughter, and then let your let her parents or parent hear this podcast today and how I answered the question so that you and the parent can support one another in this endeavor toward the nine-year-old to help form her in her faith. That's very, very important. God bless you now, Regina. Take care. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Next up is Diane driving through the great state of Ohio, listening on Annunciation Radio. Diane, you're on with Father Wade. Hi, Father Wade. Uh, Nice to meet you. I've just been traveling yesterday and today, and I happened upon this channel and uh, you're speaking the rosary, and it, it really speaks to my heart because um, I just feel that Mother Mary has been chasing me for quite some time now. Um, I had 
seen the Blue Army, you know, they came with the statue of Mary in Michigan when I was there a couple of times, some years ago, and I've been reading the Fatima prayer cell to myself, you know, every day. It seems like the Holy Spirit gets me up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and and so I pray. And um, at the church that I'm going to in Florida, they, um, I just, out of the blue, you know, uh, I was led, I'm sure, by Mother Mary about um, if they had a, a rosary group. And um, they said, no, I don't know how long ago they didn't, they haven't had one. But uh, Father asked me, you know, he said, I've got some rosaries here that were donated, and um, you can start with these, and we can announce it uh, next week. And you can do it the following week. So on September the 1st, I started saying the rosary, uh, leading everybody um, at 9.30 before Mass. And um, and I had taken the rosaries. You know, God gave me this gift of graphic design and, like, marketing. And so I took all the rosaries and, and uh, made a little booklet with all of the prayers in it and all of the mysteries in it, and um, and then packaged the rosary up with this little booklet so in case people didn't really know which prayers to say and when. Um, so I started with that, and uh, I've gotten other rosaries from, from other sources, and, um, and it's been going really well. And well, so praise now God. I'm, um, I'm on my way to Detroit. I'm going to do a half marathon on Sunday, walking only. And uh, so on my trip up I-75 here, I've been, you know, you have to stop to get gas and food and everything. So I've been taking the rosaries, too, and dropping them, not dropping them, but placing them in places where I stay. So I don't know if that's you know, I'm supposed to be doing that or not, but I want other people to to experience the rosary, you know, and especially now with Israel, and we need to pray more, you know. Yeah, it's interesting that that war started uh, on the feast day of Our Lady of the Rosary this past Saturday um, with Hamas on Israel, and you think of everything that Our Lady said to the three shepherd children at Fatima, um, it's very, very, very telling uh, for those who are familiar with the message of Our Lady of Fatima, how we must pray the rosary for world peace. Um, a, a very, very telling message. Diane, thank you so much uh, for your witness on having started a rosary group and that it's going well. May God continue to, to bless that tremendously. Uh, if you do place a rosary somewhere, um, you, you know, be sure to put, the, which I'm sure you're doing, put a little uh, prayer card or booklet with it that explains the 20 mysteries of the rosary, the five joyful, the five uh, sorrowful, the five luminous, and the five glorious, to, so that the individual knows how to pray it, including with the prayers. But, but thank you for a great witness call, and may the rosary group continue to, to flourish and go well. Thank you so much. Next up is Joe in North Carolina, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Joe, you are on with Father Wade. Hi, Father Wade. Um, the way I first started praying the rosary was uh, during the late 70s when the Cold War was going, and because of the message of Fatima, 
of Pray the Rosie for Peace. And that's actually oh, how I, I saw it, and, which is very applicable to our times now. And because as, as I got into praying the Rosary for Peace, I just got kept going more and you know, love it more every day. And uh, it's my main prayer, you know, uh, every day, uh, saying the Rosary. Um, Beautiful. And it, and it took me a while, though, because I was saying, you know, it took me a while to get used to the Luminous Mysteries. You know, after many years of... of having that pattern, and even with three, you know, you could easily say all three mysteries, and in, in, in it makes it a little bit tougher to say four every day. But uh, yeah. the one thing that has helped me is to associate the different mysteries of luminous mysteries with the uh, sacraments. So I see, oh, you know, think about, yes. yes, over baptism, you know, baptism, baptism and, and confirmation, you know, with marriage, uh, you know, Jesus preaching with with uh, reconciliation, the uh, transformation with uh, last rites, and then obviously, uh, you know, Eucharist and uh, holy altars for that. So it's really that helped me to begin to appreciate it more. You know, it's much and more the, of the active part of the church. Beautiful, Joe. And I, I have heard of the seven sacraments being applied to the five luminous mysteries. And of course, Jesus instituted the sacraments during his public ministry. Uh, Joe, I would also like to recommend to you that you print off the internet a copy of Rosarium Virginis Mariae, the Rosary of the Virgin Mary, John Paul II's uh, 2002 October uh, Apostolic Exhortation, wherein he not only gives a, a layout of why the Rosary is important and encourages all to pray it, not only Catholics, but all people of goodwill, but in which he also, in that same document, promulgates officially through the Church the Five Luminous Mysteries, and he does a beautiful excl- uh, explanation of why he's doing it. Again, as beautiful and traditional and contemplative as the original 15 decades are, the Five Joyful, the Five Sorrowful, and the Five Glorious, none of them None of the 15 focus on Christ's three years of public ministry. And now that we're going into the third millennium, this is in 2002 when he wrote this, now that we're going into the third millennium, we need to evangelize the third millennium. So we look to Jesus' own evangelization methods, Jesus' own evangelization efforts to see how he carried it out, how he did it. So again, he didn't change the rosary, he expanded the rosary by adding the five luminous mysteries. And again, as I said at the beginning of the springboard topic, Joe, if you didn't hear my springboard topic the first 11 minutes of the show today, go back and listen to the podcast. I talk about this document. You can print it off from the Vatican website, Rosarium Virginis Mariae. It was promulgated on October 16, 2002. He also declared uh, within that same document, October 02 through October 03, the year of the rosary. But um, he gives us the five luminous mysteries, and it's, it's very, very important, very, very telling as to why he did so. Again, as beautiful as the other mysteries are, none of them focus on the three years of Christ's public life. And it's a short document, as I said in the opening comments with the springboard. It's only 43 paragraphs. You, you could read it within a, a, a week. If you take just a few paragraphs, numbered paragraphs each day, you could read it within, you know, within a week, especially if you're visiting the Blessed Sacrament at your local church when you do so. It would be, be a beautiful thing to do. Thank you, Joe, for a great witness. We greatly appreciate it. You know, Al Cresta is getting loose in the bullpen. He'll join us at the top of the hour, 4 p.m. Eastern. Today he's going to talk to Father Romano Cesario about his new book, The Seven Sacraments of the Catholic Church. That's Cresta in the afternoon, 4 p.m. Eastern time, right here on EWTN Radio. Next up is Barbara in the great state of Oklahoma, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Barbara, you're on with Father Wade. 
Hello. How are you? Hello. Good. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you for your call today. Well, I was calling in because how important the rosary has become for me. Um, I was raised a Catholic, and um, I was raised by Dominican nuns. You know, I went to a Catholic school, but I never knew the mysteries throughout, you know, that eight years. And um, so I had no idea of that until recently. We had, uh, I went on a pilgrimage to France, and um, we prayed the rosary in front of Notre Dame. It was Mm. not open by then, but we prayed the rosary in front of Notre Dame, and that was a real turning point for me, because I'm actually a revert, and um, my husband decided he wanted to become Catholic, and uh, so I went with him, but I really wasn't all in until that pilgrimage. And then, in 2020, when COVID happened, uh, several of the pilgrims that I uh, went to France with, we got together and started a rosary, a daily rosary. And, uh, again, I didn't know anything about the mysteries, even in, in, in front of Notre Dame. I didn't know anything about the mysteries until we started doing this rosary. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we do it every day, and we've done it daily. We're, we're going on our fourth year. We always have an anniversary time. Uh, there are people from all over the United States and Canada. There's a, about uh, a core group of 10. We have sometimes more, sometimes less. But every day we get together for the rosary. And well, my beautiful. husband, yeah, it is. It's wonderful. And we have a huge list that takes almost as long to do the rosary as it does to read the list, but, you know, people uh, keep adding to it. Uh, and so we can say that we always pray for Israel. We can say we always pray for the Pope, uh, you know, every single day because it's part of our list. Uh, and uh, it, it's just been such a blessing. And my favorite mysteries are the Illuminous Mysteries. And I tell, I, I teach uh, first graders, um public school kids, uh, the life of Christ, you know, the CCB program. And mm-hmm. one of the things I've added to that is the rosary. So they learn about the mysteries uh, throughout uh, our weekly teaching. And uh, I even have them drawing pictures of the rosary, oh, of the rosary mysteries. And I think that it's really important because uh, the rosary can become a wonderful habit. I wonder, I I miss it so much (laughs) when I I have to miss our group. Yeah, you know, it's so scriptural, too. You know, the the first joyful mystery, the Annunciation, March 25th, the Sacred Incarnation on the Church's calendar. Uh, The second joyful mystery, the Visitation, May 31st. The Nativity, the third joyful mystery, Christmas, December 25th. The Presentation, also known as Candlemas, February 2nd on the Church's calendar. The Finding in the Temple is a gospel reading from the three-year Sunday cycle of readings. So it's so liturgical, it's so spiritual, it's so biblical. Uh, The Sorrowful Mysteries, the Agony in the Garden, Holy Thursday Night. Scourging at the Pillar, Crowning 
crowning with thorns, carrying of the cross, and crucifixion all take place on Good Friday. Uh, the luminous mystery, the baptism of Jesus uh, in, in the Jordan, follows Epiphany, uh, or is celebrated at Epiphany, depending on the liturgical year that it is. The self-manifestation of our, of our Lord's uh, divinity at the wedding feast of Cana, celebrated at Epiphany. It's honored at Epiphany. It's his first public miracle. Uh, the proclamation of the kingdom of God and the call to conversion of hearts is, is a gospel reading from the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, within the three-year cycle of Sunday readings. The Transfiguration, the fourth luminous mystery, August 6th. The Institution of the Holy Eucharist, Holy Thursday night. And then you have the glorious mysteries, right? Resurrection, Easter Sunday, Ascension, Ascension Thursday, 40 days after the Resurrection. The Descent of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Easter. The Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, celebrated on August 15th. And we see that in in the reality of the book of Revelation, in in Revelations 12. Same with the Coronation uh, of the Blessed Virgin Mary, celebrated with the Assumption. In fact, the Coronation from the book of Revelation 12.1 is the octave day, the eighth day of her assumption, uh, from August 15th to August 22nd, because the coronation is celebrated on the 22nd of August, and the assumption is on the 15th. So it's a very liturgical prayer. It's a very biblical prayer. All these scenes of Christ's life are seen in sacred scripture. Uh, And the other thing is, I'd like to remind people that the joyful mysteries help us to learn what? Well, to learn the virtues and the trials of everyday family life, Right? because they focus on the Holy Family of Nazareth. They help us to learn the meaning, the virtues, and the trials of everyday family life. How about the luminous mysteries? As they focus specifically on our Lord's three years of public life, public ministry, they help each one of us to see how we must carry out our Christian mission while living in the midst of the modern world. Whether doctor, farmer, lawyer, priest, uh, contemplative nun, single, married, uh, widowed, consecrated religious, it doesn't matter. Our Lord's public life tells us how we live our life, right? How about the sorrowful mysteries? They teach us how to deal with the trials and sufferings of everyday life. The agony in the garden, the scourging of the pillar, the crowning with thorns, the carrying of the cross, and the crucifixion and death of our Lord. And then the glorious mysteries, I like to say, help us to focus on the goal for which God has made us, namely our eternal salvation and life with him forever in heaven. So, you know, somebody might ask me, well, what do I meditate on with the rosaries? Well, you begin with the... 20 mysteries themselves, which are biblical, scriptural, liturgical. Uh, I just gave all their calendar feast days, again, like like Holy Thursday night uh, with, with uh, the institution of the Holy Eucharist, which is also the night of the arrest. It's also the night of, of, of when our Lord washed the feet of the apostles, which gives us a witness of how we are called to serve others, right? Uh, but also each of the four sets of mysteries tell us about uh, family life, joys and trials in family life, the joyful mysteries, how to handle the trials and tribulations of everyday life when they hit us with the sorrowful mysteries, the luminous mysteries, because again, they focus on the public life of Christ, tell us how to live our lives in the midst of the modern world, 23 years into this uh, uh, third millennium. And of course, the glorious mysteries help gear us toward the goal for which we were made and baptized and confirmed and receive regular Eucharist and regular confession, uh, namely our redemption and salvation. So these are beautiful truths that the Holy Rosary and its 20 mysteries really convey to the individual believer. My apologies to Mary, Arturo, Alex, Anne, but we are flat out of time. Give us a call back next Tuesday. We'd love to talk to you about your 
your experience with the rosary. Father, would you leave us with a blessing? I certainly will, Jack. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners and remain with each and every one of you this day and always, St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us on behalf of our host, Father Wade Menezes, producer Michael McCall, call screener Matt Gubensky, and our social media maven, Mr. Jeff Burson. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks so much for tuning in. Back at it tomorrow with Father Mitch. Until then, God bless.